You've entered Bookstorm with Kristen Civiletto and me, Chris Storm. This is a podcast devoted to best-selling books that matter, books that make a difference. We're diving down deep with beloved authors about their stories. We're exposing hot-button topics and heartfelt themes, the issues that affect each of us in our own lives as siblings, parents, partners, friends, as human beings. We're braving new ideas, fresh thoughts, hard lessons and important truths. Those kinds of things that stay with us long after we turn the last page and close the book. Welcome back, Bookstorm Podcast listeners and fellow book lovers. You're going to be happy with who we have with us today, an expert on historical fiction, the wonderful Pam Jenoff is with us today. She's the New York Times bestselling author of several books, including, as you're familiar with, The Orphan's Tale. But we're here to talk to her about a new book today that is just released called Codename Sapphire, historical fiction that Kristen and I loved. Before we get started, for fans of Pam Jenoff, let me give you a little bio about her because it's quite extraordinary. She attended George Washington University, then went on to Cambridge University in England for her master's. She was the assistant to the Secretary of the Army, this position provided a very unique opportunity to witness and participate in operations at the most senior level of government. And I was astounded by this, including helping families of the Pan Am Flight 103 victims. And you actually helped to secure their memorial at Arlington National Cemetery. That's amazing, Pam. Thank you. Thank you. Um, she also observed efforts at the site of the Oklahoma City bombing. And then as if that's not enough, following her work at the Pentagon, Pam moved into the State Department, where she was assigned to the U.S. Consulate in Krakow, Poland. She became an expert in Polish-Jewish relations and the Holocaust, which makes perfect sense because this codename Sapphire is written by someone who clearly has an acute knowledge and awareness of what went on in history. And we thank you for that. Um, she left the Foreign Service to then, guess what? Decided to go to law school at UPenn, worked as labor and employment attorney, and now teaches at Rutgers. She is, lives in outside Philadelphia with her husband, three children, a dog, a cat, a lizard, and a bird, none of which we see in the view here. The dog is in daycare, but the other three are looming back there somewhere. May, they may appear. We never know. But Pam, it's a pleasure. Welcome to Bookstorm. Thank you. And I should update my bio. We're up to six pets. So there's another cat and a rabbit to add to the menagerie. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> well, that sounds like a fun household, I'll say for sure. So happy to have you today. I want to add one more thing, because you received such wonderful accolades and endorsements um, from the New York Times, Booklist, Publishers Weekly, Bustle, and authors like Jody Picoult and Kristen Harmel, who we adore. In fact, Kristen said about this book, Codename Sapphire Will Break Your Heart, and at the same time, 
It'll remind you of the courage and resilience of the human spirit. Kristen, we could not agree with you more. And so we're thrilled to dive down deep with the author herself, Pam Jenoff. Thank you for that warm introduction. It's a, a lovely way to spend a Wednesday, I think it is right now. Oh my gosh, I agree and welcome. Um, Pam, we like to give the listeners a little bit of the background of your book and I promise not to give away any spoilers. Uh, but I would love for you to add anything at the end if you think I leave something out. Um, your story, codenamed Sapphire, really is a story through the eyes of two women, and it explores the sometimes difficult decisions that women must make when conflicting loyalties are on the line. This story is set in Europe in 1942, and in it, Hannah Martell has narrowly escaped Nazi Germany after her fiancé was murdered. When her ship bound for America is turned away, at another port, she has no place to go except to visit with her cousin Lily and stay with her in Brussels. Now, Hannah has got her reasons why she is desperate to get out of occupied Europe, but with no safe way to leave, she returns to the dangerous underground work she thought she had left behind. Now she joins what's called the Sapphire Line, a secret resistance network that is led by an extraordinarily competent woman named Micheline and her brother Matteo. But a mistake imperils Lily's family, and Hannah is torn between her loyalties. How far is she willing to go to save the people she loves? How, what kind of sacrifices are involved? Really, this story explores some of the true stories that came out of this time period. And what I thought was incredible is it highlighted love and family, resilience, but particularly the choices that women were forced to make. Do you want to add anything to that little bit of a background? You summarized it beautifully. I sort of, you know, I think of it as three women because you have Hannah, you have Micheline and you have Lily. Um, but certainly some of the women's stories do predominate. And I think you summarized it just beautifully. Excellent. You're right. Now that you say that, you're exactly right. Yeah, wonderful. Well, if you're ready to brave the storm, let's dive on in. Chris, why don't you kick us let's off? Let's dive in. So listeners, uh, historical fiction lovers, even if you're not a historical fiction lover, and also World War II lovers, this is a very unique perspective on World War II. I called it, when I closed the book, an absolute treasure. I actually thought, I imagine this book being presented to the reader in a beautifully wrapped paper tied with a bow. It is a gift. It opens our eyes to a whole different perspective on a, on a war that must never be forgotten. Uh, you showed the reader the power of love over hate. I love the character Lily as she describes their fight for insurgency against the Nazi uh, Germany. And she says, we are an artist and a nurse. Who are we to be doing this to execute such a dangerous plan? We're just a few women with no training and no real equipment. I was, I was just astounded by that remark. And, uh, but their love for their children, their husbands, their people drove them forward. As the reader, you showed us something so important in her that any one of us can make a difference. Was it love or justice that pushed these women forward? Or maybe a little of both? Can you expand on that at all? 
Absolutely. That is a fascinating question. You know, when I approach history, and it goes really back to when I went to Poland, and I found the history that I learned in the books was just so black and white, and the history on the ground was so much more nuanced. And so I want readers to see that history is actually made up of an infinite number of individual decisions and personal choices. It's so important to me. And so one of the things I love about writing women in history is you take a woman like Lily, who through normal history would have lived on a very set path, but because of war or other catastrophe, she's thrown off the path and she's tested and she's challenged. And I love to see this in women and see what they will do and how they will grow. And in particular, what I love is when a woman like Lily crosses paths with someone else, say Micheline or someone very different, who through normal events, she never would have met. And I love seeing what that interaction produces so for each woman you it's such a good question is it love is it you know duty what is driving really really hard to boil it down to one thing but i want each reader to stand in the shoes of lily micheline and hannah and say what would i have done and why and and i also feel as the reader it almost translates to current day so what can we take from these beautiful characters that found strength in the most difficult situations, maybe tapped into something within them that they didn't even know that they possessed, kind of can translate into the real world in some way. We, we deal with struggles, of course, not to this degree, but maybe it makes the reader think a little, maybe you are capable of more than you think you are. Absolutely capable. Um, and, and I wondered this, you know, I don't perceive myself as a stronger, brave person by any means. Um, when I was a little kid, I always wondered why Dorothy fought her way back from Oz because, you know, it seemed so hard and like it was a perfectly <laughs> nice place. So I was never brave. And I really felt this when I went to Poland because you'd be on a, a modern street, but you'd hear some old world siren or something that would just like send you hurling back in time. And it made, you know, made you want to hide in your basement and made me wonder what would I have done um, if I had been a person back then. And so it's always a very interesting question, both to consider what you would have done in history and what that means for today. And the one piece that I also take from these books is that when we see characters like Lily, Hannah, and Micheline interacting with people so very different from themselves and coming together to make a real difference, I hope that when readers see that, it helps them transcend some of the otherness and division that we all feel in our lives right now. Absolutely. We're, we're very big believers in um, women empowerment and unification of different people and minorities and groups and socioeconomic uh, classes and cultures. We're very big proprietors of that. And thank you for that. That's beautiful. Yeah, I, I'd like to dive in just a little deeper on some of these motivations. Um, the theme of heroism runs through your beautiful novel. I mean, it's very strong there. And some of your characters were impelled to take action to help others. And some acted heroically because they had no choice. And still others, for a variety of reasons, failed to take any action at all. And I was wondering, what are some of the factors that you think impact an individual's decision making about whether to act? Because when you think about taking a stand, there are tremendous risks about to come your way. 
Yeah, it's interesting when you look at people at, at the start of a story, right? So you, let's say Hannah and Lily, they're cousins. They at one point when they were children, they were friends, but so, so different. So Hannah has been driven from the start. It's kind of this imperative in her to take action and stand up to the Germans and do all of that. And Lily, because of where she is when the war starts out, has been able to kind of bury her head in the sand, you know, and there was this delusion, there was this notion in Belgian, Belgium of like the good occupiers, like maybe it won't be so bad here. And at first Hannah is saying, well, how can you stand back and do nothing? Um, but, you know, Lily has, Lily has a child. And so I, I always think, you know, for women, the question of motherhood plays so much into our decision-making process. When, when I lived in Poland and I experienced all that, I was in my early 20s, you know, how would it be different and how would it feel different to go back as a mom of three, you know, and so for these women, um, it's a question of was it, what was the braver, stronger thing to do, you know, for your family, for yourself, for your country, and they have different answers to that initially, and then very much of a growth arc as we see them come to different places in that courageous journey. Yeah, that's very well put. I always think about, you know, would I be capable of hurting another human being? And I thought to myself, you know what, when my children are on the line, you better believe it. Mm -hmm. And so I was really thinking about that throughout this story. And I was also thinking about, is it almost better not to know what's coming for you when you take a stand? What do you think? It's an interesting question. So I have to hearken back just for a second. My previous book was called The Woman with the Blue Star, and it was about a group of Jewish people who survived World War II in a sewer, which is unfathomable, but true. And I was writing that book during COVID, and there were many parallels of the isolation and the search for connection, but one of the parallels was the not knowing. So those people were in the sewer for something like 14 months, and readers would say to me, well, you know, how could they do that? And the answer was they didn't know they were going in for 14 months. They thought it was a couple hours a couple days and a couple weeks. And it's all about sort of, I think, incrementally what humans can handle. And it reminded me, I hate to say it, of the pandemic, because does anyone remember two weeks to flatten the curve? You know, we all thought we were, you know, we no one imagined we would be home for months. And so I think in any circumstance, I mean, you want to know, but maybe you can't bury your head. I mean, Lily learned that just because you bury your head doesn't mean it's not going to come for you, you know, but by the same token, per, you know, being in a certain moment in time. And when we say, well, how could person X have to have done have done that? You have to realize they didn't have the benefit of hindsight that we do. They were just in a moment. I, I agree. I don't know if I get out of bed sometimes knowing what's coming down the road, but yes, for right. years on. And, and I, that's what I loved about this story. You showed us what was going on in the war in Belgium during that time period, but you also took us inside the very deep part of human nature to show different personalities and how they dealt with it. And it was really uh, very intriguing and it was very self-inflecting. You couldn't help as the reader, but look at your own self and wonder what we did. I also want to touch upon this. Um, your novel talks a little bit about the burden of long harbored hurt and pain. So we see this character, Matteo, without giving spoilers, he dealt deeply with an unresolved wound, a loss, a hurt. He lived with this, I felt, a little by taking up an important cause, being very busy and putting others ahead of himself. 
but he never overcame that hurt until it resurfaced and he was for forced to deal with it and look at it. What were you trying to show the reader possibly about the resilience of the human spirit, <clears throat> even despite past hardships and our ability to hide our old wounds? And is that good? Or is it better to bring them out and look at them? Or maybe it's different in every case. It was very intriguing. You know, I wrestle with, I don't know if I've ever been asked that. It's a great question. I've ever been asked that in all these years of books and interviewing. Fabulous question, because I wrestle with that myself. On one hand, very much a truth shall set you free kind of person. But I'm also fully cognizant of just how hard and scary it the truth can be and how brave people have to be to face the truth and so Matteo is a great example because he's been trying to outrun this pain for all these years and he's gone a lot of places and he's done a lot of fighting and he's never been able to outrun the pain and the past and the secrets and so I think the lesson there really is you can try but sooner or later you're going to have to deal with it. Mm -hmm. in an incredible way and we we suffered with him once we realized what was happening there we suffered with the characters who were trying to overcome something in the past and part of us i think sometimes does say if you can't deal with it and you can't face it and there's nothing more you can do it is okay to leave it in the past then but if you can't walk away from it or even just continue to live your life this is a tricky question i don't think there is a right or wrong answer here Maybe individual. Yeah, I yeah. agree. Mm -hmm. I want to dive in just a little bit to some of the historical aspects of your story, because obviously that's a, a very important element of what you're talking about. Um, you highlight some of the very fascinating aspects of the escape lines that downed airmen, you know, they were scattered across Belgium, Holland, and France, some of these escape lines. And women played a very important role in helping these soldiers escape from occupied Europe. And I was very amazed to read about how much went on behind the scenes. Why is it important for us to examine the role in history that women, that other people had, that you never really see on the outside? We don't know how much is going on behind the scenes. Why was it important to highlight that here? So interesting. Um, women in history have been so underrepresented for the things they did. Um, I wrote a book, I think it was two books ago, called The Lost Girls of Paris. And that had to do with the women who fought for Britain's special operations executive, um, you know, sabotage and subversion behind enemy lines. And someone referred to that as a book for the Me Too moment. And I certainly, I don't set out with like a moment or a big, you know, timeliness thing, but sometimes it just kind of happens. And we're seeing women finding their voice in all different areas and including in history. So um, I'm certainly not the first person to have written about these escape lines, but the minute you step into a story, because for me, this story really did start with the train that was going to Auschwitz and the attempt to rescue people from it. But the minute you step into a place like World War II Belgium, those escape lines are right there in front of you, that there were these massive endeavors, um, uh, many women as well as men, um, you know, young people, remarkably young people, but also older people, families you know, teachers and nuns and all of these people who were engaged in the work of helping lots of different people who needed to get out, including children and others, but in particular with 
respect to this line, it was downed allied airmen. And how do we get them safely out of occupied territory through a couple of different routes? And some of them were tremendously physically difficult over the mountains. And the amount of people who were involved, the guides who took them over the mountains, both the, the young women and the locals and in, in Spain and places like that, the um, the people who housed, uh, you know, hidden airmen, the people who created false papers and just the enterprise and the consequences and the number of people who lost their lives and many women, it was just epic. Yeah. And, you know, I, I love history. I've read a lot of history over my life. I never encountered some of these aspects of World War II history. And I just wonder why we don't teach these a little bit more. You know, we may talk about military history, maybe battles that have been won and heroism associated with that. But this, these behind the scenes heroes, to me, are stories that can't be told often enough. They're that important and that unknown in some respects. Yeah, and so I want to say that, you know, for me, um, I, I think some of these stories are still being discovered. Let's start there. I think especially after communism, you know, more archives were available from the East and we are still unearthing stories. And so for me, what I look for when I'm looking for my next story, the piece that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to illuminate, I'm looking for what I call the gasp. So... I've been working with the Holocaust since my days in Poland for over 25 years, and I'll be researching and I will find a bit of history that makes me go. <gasps> and as soon as I feel that I know I'm onto something because I'm hopeful if it's still making me gasp, then you're going to feel the same way. And so that is really what I'm looking for. And then so first I'm looking for the aha moment. And then these questions start coming up, you know, like with the train to Auschwitz how were these people so brave as to stage this rescue and why didn't more people try and do the same so that's yeah. the jumping off point for me mm -hmm. and there was something about that scene with the train that hit me so strong so throughout this story you're showing the power of one helping hand one helping hand another helping hand another helping hand and now you've got this whole insurgency with ways to escape so on the train there was one scene where there was an opportunity to escape but some people said, no, where am I going to go? Well, I can't get off. Where, where, where am I supposed to go? And it, it hit me. I'm like, what? This is your chance. Get, get, go, go, go. But without that helping hand or someone to say, I have a plan. I know someone. We can give you papers. We have an escape route. It showed the power of a lot of one person joined together. That was astounding to me, that refusal to go was a big scene in my mind. Thank you. People were terrified, you know, about the reprisals if they didn't make it and where were they going to go? And the amazing thing about the rescue itself, only a few people. There was a massive network of all these escape lines, but it was only a few people who were willing to undertake this particular rescue, which was yeah. quite astounding. Mm -hmm. Very astounding. We just loved every ounce of this World War II historical novel. Kristen and I have said it before. We believe there cannot be enough books written on this topic. It needs to be remembered and learned from and gleaned from and never forgotten. And thank you, Pam Genoff. And I wanna tell our readers, you're going to wanna to connect with Pam. You can find her on her website, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and on her website, there's a mailing list that you can join. And can you give us a clue about what you might be working on next? What's on your radar? 
Ooh, so, you know, I am an open book when I'm working on things, but I'm one of these seat of the pants writers and it's still pretty early days. So let me set the stage this way. It involves a story during World War II. It involves a story after World War II. And it involves a mystery about an object that links those two stories. Ooh, that sounds great. Excellent. Okay, well, we can't wait. We can't wait for the next one. Keep writing. Uh, keep opening our minds and our hearts to wonderful possibilities. Thank, Thank you, you so Thank much. You, Thanks Thank for you. having me. Thanks for joining Bookstore. Thank you. Yeah, that was a really intriguing World War II novel. And Kristen, you um, you brought up something really interesting to me there and one of your questions. And she also talked about it, the power of individual choices. Absolutely. I mean, you know, I was thinking throughout this story that there were moments in time that really set characters on a certain trajectory. And they had to make split-second decisions. And they had life-or-death consequences. And I was thinking about how often in our own lives, you know, at a moment's notice, maybe a day or a week, we make choices that, you know, impact everything. Right? Isn't that... That's a little scary sometimes. It, it all Every know? day we do. In fact, I call it... I think it's been called the butterfly effect. Even where you shop, where you go to yeah. school... One friend that you choose opens your world to a whole other group. Um, What you study, an internship that you might have. It could be who you live next door to. Yeah. Um, It just changes everything, all these little choices. I guess, I mean, you can't really think of it too much that way, can you? Because you could get overwhelmed with the burden of having to make the correct choice. It could be a little overwhelming. But think about it this way, too. I wish, in some respects, I was a little better prepared because we have to make some of these choices. We may not be equipped to make them. Um, We're at a point sometimes in our lives where we're very young when we're making some of them. And so to me, I was thinking about how do we equip the next generation that when they're faced with something that maybe not life or death, but very impactful, how do we know that we're equipping them to make those good choices? You know, that's mm-hmm. a, an interesting thought. It's a, it's a great thought. Um, I also wanted to bring up this idea. She showed us Belgium, and she showed us people who were willing to take up the cause and help, but she showed us a lot of people also who closed their doors and windows and wanted to pretend it wasn't happening. And I felt so strongly that even in our real world today, silence is a choice. And if you see evil happening, even amidst, it could be family quarrels or just something very personal in your life, and you see friends or family members going through disagreements or something political in our town or our nation or our city or state, and you don't rise up and be a voice, are you making just as strong of a choice by having silence? I think that's a great question, and she really kind of dove into that very deeply because there were women who had other circumstances and other loyalties that perhaps prevented them from standing up, like protecting a child or caring for someone who's ill. And, you know, that makes it difficult to ever judge people's decisions. We don't know what's going on in their circumstances. Uh, But I think that the bottom line is if you have the voice, the opportunity, the platform, and you weigh it against the negative aspects, and you still don't speak up, you know, that's that's where things get a little tricky. And, and I, I feel that frustration all the time. I do too. And also, maybe just looking for excuses to stay out of it. 
quote, stay out of it. Sometimes staying out of it could be a wise thing if you have nothing to do with it and you have nothing positive to add to the dilemma um, or problem solving to add to it. But I think the silence that's going on even today in our nation is very poisonous. And Pam really showed us that one person can be a voice. And it doesn't mean you need to have a degree in political science. These women, this what these women were a nurse and a mother and a sister or a wife. And yeah, but you know, that brings up another very interesting question. And that is, when you are better equipped than the average person to take a stand or to speak up, let's say you have a medical degree, you are a practicing physician, and you see something not right in your community, then do you have a moral duty to stand up and shine a light on things? Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, when we talk about people who have, um, you know, the means or the ability or the competency or the knowledge, I think you have a greater duty to step up. And in her novel, we had people who didn't necessarily have that specific training and they still spoke up. Mm-hmm. I, I'm a very big believer in that too, that the more that you have education, uh, <clears throat> maybe your position of power or even your wealth, the more that you have, the greater responsibility that you have to use it for the good. Absolutely. And one last thing that was very intriguing to me that you said um, is this idea that when you're embarking upon, say, a new career or an education or a relationship or a move, if you could see the whole road laid out ahead of you and how difficult and how many obstacles you may have to encounter, would you still take that turn? And is it a good thing not to see all of that into our future? I think what she sort of said was, especially during World War II, one day was enough. One day at a time is maybe anything any of us can really handle. And if we could see the life ahead, someone said to me once, if you could live your life all over again, would you do it? And I'm like, no. It was hard enough the first time going around. No, I'm very uh, grateful where I am and what I have overcome and surpassed. But no, I don't want to do it all over again. I probably would make different choices. But you brought that up. And what were your thoughts on that? What made you think of that? If you could see the whole road ahead, your own life struggles. and Yeah, I mean, I can speak for myself, but I don't think that my spirit could handle the crushing weight of what was coming in advance. Not to mention it would impact all of your decision making because you would have hindsight. But again, I think that taking it day by day by day is really good advice because we are in a time now where we have some analogies. It's certainly not the situation of World War II, but we still have injustice and atrocities being committed. And so thinking in terms of where you are equipped to take a stand and to do something, I think that's what's instructive about history. Looking backwards can be sometimes more instructive than looking forward and wanting to know that future. Mm-hmm. So true. And being a voice does not mean you're going to be a popular voice. It means really breaking out and just standing up for the right thing. So it is going to sometimes be the harder thing. And um, But I just love this book, Codename Sapphire by Pam Jenoff. What a pleasure it was to have her on. And I want to give a little shout out to you know who. Here we are back, 2023 Bookstorm Podcast. Happy to have this guy with us still, the Mr. Mark Carey, producer, sound engineer. Hope you guys enjoyed the show this week, and we will see you again. Have a good new year.
We sure will, Mark, thanks to you. And guess what's on our radar? We've got some great authors and great books coming up. We have Chris Bajalian and The Lioness. We have CJ Box, Stormwatch, Mary Kubica, Just the Nicest Couple, and Alka Yoshi, an other friend of Bookstorm, is coming back with her new novel, The Perfumist of Paris. Oh, I cannot wait. And having read some of those books, I cannot wait to talk about them. They're going to be fantastic. In the meantime, listeners, stay on the radar with Bookstorm by visiting our website at bookstormpodcast.com. You can visit us on Facebook, on Instagram, we're on TikTok, on Twitter. And if you'd like to see us in person or better yet, some of our wonderful authors, please tune into YouTube and search for Bookstorm and Podcast and we should come right up. In the meanwhile, until next time, one of the best ways to breathe the storm is to dive down deep into life-changing fiction. 